Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. If you want to read along, the page number is printed on the cover of the bulletin, and there's a Bible, hopefully, somewhere in the bench in front of you or around you. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A wizard is never late. <laughs> Gandalf is sitting down when we first meet him. The wizard is old. His nose is long, his beard is long, he smokes a long pipe and has a long pointy hat. When we first meet Gandalf, he is hunched over the reins of a small wooden cart. He doesn't look very imposing. As his cart ambles through the tranquil countryside, Gandalf is intercepted by a young hobbit. The hobbit regards the doddering old wizard with great affection. At this point, we may say two things about Gandalf. He is old. He is beloved by small people. 
Neither of these qualities is very imposing. The young hobbit is Frodo Baggins. With a twinkle in his eye, Frodo says, Gandalf, you're late. The wizard replies with solemn dignity, A wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. There is a mild rebuke in the wizard's tone, but he can't hold it for long. His venerable face breaks into a grin. The seriousness of his reply was only a jest. Soon both Gandalf and Frodo are giggling. Gandalf is old, beloved of small folk, and prone to giggling. <laughs> Soon we learn that Gandalf has an impressive collection of fireworks. He has a good grasp of world history, and he knows how to use a library. For most of the first movie, Gandalf is a compelling character, but he is really not an action hero. He's a nice old man with fireworks and a library card. I really noticed all this a few weeks ago when Gracie and I went to see a showing of the Fellowship of the Ring. The scope of Gandalf's power is only revealed over time. In fact, I think we see the pinnacle of Gandalf's power very late in that story when the heroes descend into the goblin-haunted mines of Moria. By this point, we've already seen plenty of action. Our heroes have faced ring wraiths and a cave troll. We've seen goblins beyond number. But in the darkness of Moria, they are pursued by a giant creature of darkness and flame. The Balrog is huge. A demon of ancient times, it burns with unholy flame. When the Balrog opens its mouth to roar, its throat radiates heat like a blast furnace. It summons a flaming sword in its hand and then a flaming whip. Gandalf turns to face the monster on a narrow bridge. The wizard shouts, I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Anor. The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Udun. Go back to the shadow. You shall not pass. There is no giggling at this point in the movie, Gandalf speaks with tremendous authority. He collapses the stone bridge beneath the Balrog's feet and sends the demon plummeting into fathomless darkness. Well, many of you know that the Balrog has time for one counterattack. Although the story continues, this is where Gandalf is at his most powerful. He alone has power to stand against the Balrog. And at the height of his power, Gandalf calls himself a servant. This is how the wizard identifies himself. I am a servant of the secret flame. 
wielder of the, or sorry, the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Anor. I think we, we kind of tend to associate servanthood with a lack of power. We think that being a servant is a kind of weakness. But in this story, Gandalf illustrates a different perspective. When he's at the very height of his power, that is when he calls himself a servant. Being a servant isn't about diminishing your power. It's about how you use your power. It's about the direction of using your power. Let me put this in a different way. Gandalf did not place himself on a narrow bridge over endless darkness because he has power. He doesn't confront the Balrog because he has power. It's not the power that guides him. Gandalf's path is set by the direction of his service. As a servant, Gandalf walks a path that sets him in opposition to the Balrog. I know some of you don't really care about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> That's okay. I can give you another example from Star Wars. <laughs> In Star Wars, someone like Darth Vader can wield enormous power. Darth, Darth Vader can send heavy objects flying through the air. He can choke people from across the room. He can use his lightsaber to deflect blaster bolts. His power is astounding, but he serves the dark side of the force. He serves the emperor. What is thy bidding, my master? <laughs> Being a servant isn't about diminishing our power. It's how we use our power. It's about the direction and purpose of our power. We tend to think that being a servant is a kind of weakness. But Gandalf and Darth Vader are icons of power. The force is strong with them. A servant can be powerful. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. At a certain level, I think we hear this as a kind of backwards competition. If you want the laurels of victory, then learn how to present yourself as the most humble person in the room. Glory comes like an Academy Award to whoever can act with the most humility. But what if this isn't really a backwards competition? What if being a servant really does empower us? Instead of diminishing our power, what if being a servant gave us power? Here's a quote from Audre Lorde. When I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in the service of my vision. 
then it becomes less and less important whether I am afraid. I think there's a connection between being a servant and being less afraid. Being a servant connects us to something larger than ourselves. Gandalf and Darth Vader and Audre Lorde serve something larger than themselves. That connection empowers them. When I dare to be powerful, to use my strength in service of my vision, then it becomes less and less important whether I am afraid. A servant moves in a certain direction because that is the direction of service. It doesn't matter whether or not they are afraid. The direction stays the same. I think there is a power that comes to those who serve. As I think about the intersection between power and service, I think we're in a good place to talk about the body of Christ. It actually makes sense for us to serve where we are most powerful. And I serves the body by seeing. And seeing is how the eye is most powerful. Eyes are not good at supporting the weight of our bodies. Eyes are not good at manipulating doorknobs or screwdrivers. <coughs> Eyes are not good at digesting food. It doesn't make sense for an eye to serve the body in any of these ways. An eye serves in the way that it is most powerful. An eye serves the body by seeing. An eye serves the body by seeing without fear. Especially when the situation becomes scary, we need the eye to follow its purpose. When there is opposition, when there is risk, we need the eye to serve the whole body by seeing well. As a servant to the whole body, the eye needs to exercise its power for the whole body to be safe. What is your power? Where are you the most powerful? Almost certainly that is also where you are called to serve. Being a servant isn't a diminishment of your power. It's about how you use your power. How can you align your power with something larger than yourself so it is less and less important whether you are afraid? How can you serve with power? When you find yourself at the end of your strength, remember the direction of your service. You may find a reserve of strength that surprises you. Or you may find permission to leave the fight. Because you are a servant. What does the Spirit have to teach you about being a 
powerful servant.